Okay. Hi. We are Paula Walkine and Fred Dawson. She's Paula. I'm Fred. In case you need a clarification. Just need to verify that. That's yes. all. Yes. And um, uh, Tim over here from Delaware Rock and Roll uh, Society, as well as myself, are here today to interview Fred and find out all the inside stuff on who Fred Dawson is. I can hardly wait to hear what I'm going to say. Okay, me too. <laughs> me too. Oh man. Well, one of the things that you always say is success. Mm -hmm. You have built your life with um, uh, certainly the financial world. You've had success, um, the music world, and then you began sponsoring success for other people in your life. And I think that's really fabulous. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Now, as we stand here um, in the musical world, so to speak, um, the first reference to um, Fred Dawson is with the fabulous pharaohs. The fabulous pharaohs, yes. How fabulous they were almost. <laughs> Listen, coming from Little Delaware, you're talking fabulous. How far did you travel? Wait. How far did we travel? We actually drove to Los Angeles. Okay. Because uh, we had a free gig on the uh, Sunset Boulevard in the Red Velvet Supper Club. So, <laughs> so we drove in our hearse. Yes. Pulling a trailer just to prove that you can take it with you. Um, <clears throat> right across the U.S. of A. on Route 66, which was our first song our first song that we recorded yeah we thought that was poignant and it, it you know it, it's a big blur now after all these years but it was an incredible experience you know the, the hearse was uh had no radio had no air conditioning oh no the good news is we went in, in february so it was reasonably okay you know but it, it was it was an incredible learning experience because you know it was in 1968 february 1968 and we drove right through Montgomery, Alabama. And, you know, I'm an East Coast Delaware boy. I never got out of Delaware. And it was quite interesting uh, to, to, to stop at, at a place. And I must say this, uh, because it's so poignant, and it really struck me that there was a white bathroom and a colored bathroom. And I just stood and stared at that because I couldn't believe it. And a white water fountain and a colored water fountain. And, you know, that that really, really hit me. Yes. You know? But be that as it may, that was, you know, a negative thing that I learned a great deal about. But, you know, by the time we got to L.A., <coughs> uh, it was, uh, uh, we, we made the interesting um, um, Opportunity made made an opportunity to knock on Pat Boone's front door at his home. We bought a a, a map to La, to the Hollywood uh, stars stars homes. The stars. Guess what? <coughs> they really live there. Yeah. Or at least, <laughs> they really live there. Okay. At least they did that. Yeah. Yeah, they did that. Yeah. So we knocked on his door, and and God bless him. He came out in a bathing suit, and we have a picture of us. Uh, stand, uh, standing next to him in front of the hearse, you know, we had our, our, our Nehru jackets on and our beads, our shoulder length hair, and at that time I had a terrific set of, you know, chops and a Fu Manchu, that was yes. magnificent, and, and, and Pat couldn't have been any more gracious, any more gracious. Wow. 
church key, you know, which doesn't mean, it didn't mean in the vernacular a way to open a door. No. Nice. Yep. Open that beer. Open that beer. Or that church bottle. Key, yes. Pop that bottle. Craziness. And to this day, Aubrey Fisher, who wrote the song, our lead guitarist at the time, is still very proud of that song, which he should be. He still talks about it from time there to time. There you go. Who were the other Oh, well, we had Eddie Stevenson, who was the lead singer and drummer. Right. We had Aubrey Fisher, who was the lead guitarist. We had Bill Rylander, who was bassist. Mm -hmm. And moi, and I started on saxophone, tenor saxophone. Yes. And then we learned shortly thereafterwards that we needed a keyboard player. So I thought, okay, I'll learn how to play keyboard. So I okay. did that. A reason you went to the B3? You know, the, or, well, that one was lighter weight, I'm sure, as time went on. Yes, I started with a port, uh, uh, it was a D-O-R-I-C, Doric organ, this electric, okay. teeny sounding thing that every five gigs I had to have it repaired. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not, it was a piece of crap. I bought a brand new, but it was still a piece of crap. Um, we've all, all musicians have torments over their instruments, you know, we, we sure. know this is a fact. Uh, and at the time, the big deal was to have, um, uh, you know, the Hammond B3. Okay. But A, I didn't have anything to carry it around, nor could I afford to buy one. I mean, there were thousands of dollars at the time when, right. you know, you could buy a, a, a portable one for 500, 800 bucks, you know. Right. But, uh, you know, and, and, and an amazing fact is that Felix Cavallari, who, who was my B3 wannabe guy, Way back, way back, rock yeah. star to me. I mean, he 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 was really important to me. Uh, ended up being a very good friend of mine, yes. as you know. Yes. And 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 uh, he's played on my D three now. I'm gonna say that, and my also my other keyboards that I have now, and we're still very good dear friends. You know, the amazing thing about music, and this is why I endorse it in so many different ways, is that as a kid. You know, I wasn't into sports or that kind of thing. The good news is I still have all my original body parts. You know, I haven't had yes. my, my body parts replaced. Right. I didn't play football or those things. But anyway, um, music has taken me to some, some of the most amazing things that, that mere mortals would never even dream of being able to do, you know. Right. And I want other people to experience the kinds of things that I've experienced because it's, it's been incredible. I, I just yes. can't believe it. You know. Yes, you know so many celebrities, you had so many experiences, even just, you know, as young kids, you know, playing to 13,000 people, I mean, come on, you know, come on, it doesn't, it, sometimes when you tell the story, it almost sounds like the universe was waiting for you, you know, to put you in the seat, and that's but, really cool. But what was a hoot is that I would get so far, and I couldn't, get over the last thing because I wanted to be a rock star. Yes. But I finally figured out I wasn't meant to be a rock star. Right. I have something else I'm supposed to do here. I think I'm doing it. I don't know. I think you're doing it too. Yeah. I think you're doing it too. Um, who was in Musakis? Well, we changed the name to Protect the Innocent. Huh. And in Musakis <laughs> was still Ed, Eddie Stevenson, myself, mm -hmm. and, and uh, uh, a guitarist by the name of Sam Stippo. 
He was oh, an yeah. extraordinary guitarist. Sam's still around. Oh, yeah, he is. Yes. And what's interesting, that uh, in the nine years that Eddie and I were together, we were only, most of the time we were only a three-piece group, so I played key bass and, and keyboards at the right. same time. Uh, we went through 23 guitarists in nine years. Oh my goodness. And in the new band, the new band, the current band, Club Fred, we've gone through seven or eight. And I'm here to tell you, it's not me, it's the guitarists. <laughs> they are an unusual breed. They are an unusual breed, okay? I'm oh just saying. my goodness. Yes, yes. But it's been fun. Well, both Tim Cleary and myself, you know, are a part of the um, musical world. Well, so you know laughing. just as well as I do, yes. We're laughing. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you always record on uh, reprise? Funny you should ask that question. Mm -hmm. um, Eddie's father. Right. was our agent. His name was uh, Hugh Lee Stevenson. Uh, I learned a great deal from him. He didn't know that at the time, but I learned a great deal uh, uh, about marketing and, and all kinds of things. And, and he, he, Reprise was his label. Okay. And, you know, the famous label is Reprise, which I understand yes. was Frank Sinatra's label. Yes. So it was not accidental that it was Reprise with a Z. Yes. You know, because uh, Mr. Stevenson, uh, we called him earlier in our musical career, but after a while we called him Huey. Huey uh, would do some bizarre things from time to time, and, and uh, that was one of the many things. You saw some of the posters that he made up. Right. Some looked like they were made with crayons, you know, but it worked, you know. Yes. Nobody did any of that kind of stuff at all when I was a kid, you know. Right. So I learned about marketing and advertising and, mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, uh, promoting events and those right. kinds of things. And if it hadn't been for him, you know, he took us to L.A. I have to give him credit. That's crazy. He took us to L.A. You know, mm -hmm. no other parent of the band even dreamed of doing such a thing. But right. he says, let's go to L.A. I said, really? Okay. Yeah. So we did. And um, it was it was just a tremendous... And, and what's really bizarre is we went there to try and get on the Pat Boone show. Because Pat Boone had an afternoon TV show like Mike Douglas and Joey Bishop and yeah, those kinds of show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we got out there, we were not members of the union. Oh, yes. So we couldn't do the TV show. But to, to Pat's credit, he got us tickets so we could be in the audience of his show. And, and when, he, uh, when we were there that day, when they taped the show, they panned the audience, and God bless them, you know, Pat made a big deal out of us coming up to his driveway in a hearse, and we're holding up, you know, the Fabulous Pharaohs sign from, from Delaware, you know. Yes. And so he, 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 he uh, made a fuss over us on Coast to Coast TV and says, Fabulous. we're going to have him back on the TV to perform for us, you know. So we drove back to Philadelphia to join the union, Figure we drive back again to be on the TV right. show, and in that time frame, his show was canceled. Oh boy! Yes. Oh boy! Or did yes. we have six, six weeks were common yeah. ones. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. And like I said, I see that this line of not being in the right place at the same time, but carrying the right enthusiasm into mm. things. Now we talk about enthusiasm. Um, I know there was a that. Uh, First of all, I need to remind people, if you were around in the 60s and you saw that hearse tooling around, it was them. 
Actually, we went through four hearses. Uh, actually, yeah. three hearses and an ambulance, two vans, and finally we ended up with an 18-foot diesel truck to lug our stuff around because we had so much crap. Yeah. 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 And and so much crap that you might need. Yes. So, you never know. Right. You never know. You um, know the def, def, you know the definition of success. It's it's when preparedness meets opportunity equals success. There you go. So if you ain't Even ready, because sometimes that phone will only ring once. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you got to be prepared to dive for it and go for it. Yeah. Yes. So we were always ready, and we lucked out sometimes. We, we got to play with. Uh, we we opened with uh, for, geez, Chicago. Chicago came to Wilmington. What? We opened for Chicago at one of the local high schools, and I must confess, we didn't get the gig because we were fabulous. Mm -hmm. We got the gig because I was the only guy on the, on the block that had a Hammond B3 that they needed to play. Okay. So we got the gig to open for Chicago here in Wilmington. Yeah, it was terrific. Um, 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 and, and we've opened for uh, Redbone multiple times. I'd love to tell the story. We were supposed to open up for Redbone in uh, uh, Devon, PA. Uh, there's a theater there, uh, Valley Forge Music Fair. Yeah, the big theater. In the around. circle, right. Mm -hmm. So at the very last minute, we were bumped from the gig. We couldn't, we couldn't get, get the gig. So Redbone, bless their pee-picking hearts, invited us to the show as their guests anyway. We went, and, and we're in the dressing room with Redbone, and I could hear this other band playing. So I sauntered out to see who the other band was that knocked us off. Right. I was stunned. I sat down, I didn't move, and this band played their entire show, and they finished every song to dead silence. What? They didn't even get a... They got nothing. And when they got done, they left the stage after doing their complete show, their complete show, and they're walking by us, and they are just mad as wet hens because they bombed. Yes. It was a little band called Kiss. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh huh. Yes. And I said to myself, "You're ticked off now, but you know, in a year, you're gonna be the biggest thing around." There you go. Took them two years. Took them two. I was off a bit. Come on. Oh, well, hey, care. it's going to happen. That was Kiss. It's we never happen. opened for them, but I saw them. Yeah. Up front and up close with all that. And and uh, Gene Simmons had that red crap dripping down his, you know, because yeah. they did the whole show, the fuming the flames. I'm going, I can't believe this, you know. And either could the audience, because they were in shock. Right. I mean, dead silence. And then when they finished, they got like, oh, thank God they're done. Bring on Redbone. Yes. You know? It was funny. Yeah, it was a slightly different audience for those two. Yeah. Between the two. Yes, it was. Between yes. and Kiss. So. And kiss, oh yeah. my goodness. I have stories. Yes, you definitely have stories. Who were your inspirations back when? Ooh. Who did you love? Ooh. Okay. The man who did it for me. The man who did it for me. Um, I was. I was closing my saxophone case for the last time at 14. And I said, I'm done. I can't stand what they're making me play in junior high school. Yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. And my mother brought home an album mm -hmm. called Yakety Sax. Yes. And she says, go listen to this. I said, 
Okay. I disappeared in my bedroom. I came out, out of my bedroom. I was in flames. Yes. I, I burst into flames. Yes. Okay. Listen to the, to what Boots had to play on that saxophone. Yeah. Okay. Boots Randolph. Boots Randolph. Mm -hmm. And um, little did I know, at, at the age of 14, that about 40 years later, Boots would end up being um, a dear friend of mine. Yes. A client. Uh, I got him a gig at the Grand Opera House in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. And he calls me. He says, well, now that you got me the gig, he says, you have to warm up your, your horn because I'm going to get you to play with me. Yeah. I said, oh, Boots, you're oh, so full of it, click. And your knees I thought, he, I thought he was kidding. Oh, wow. I, I seriously thought he was kidding. So he called me about a month later. He says, are you ready? I said, what? He says, are you ready? The show's going to be on in about a month. I said, you're serious? <laughs> he says, yes, I'm serious. He said, holy crap. So I hung up, and I called a saxophone teacher. And I said, I have to be half as good as you in 30 days. Right. He says, that'll take about two weeks, not a problem. Oh, bless so, his heart. So I got, took some lessons, and then uh, w when I, I booked the gig, I, uh, I bought tickets for, for all, the, all the clients of our firm. We had about 300 clients in the audience, and I never told anybody I was going to play with Boots. Oh, just boy. in case I chickened out at the last minute. Yes. Okay? I left that exit open. And I remember um, sitting in, in the audience when Boots was doing his, his first set, and, and he was his usual sensational self, did a great show, and then uh, it was like the first set went by like that. I went, mm -hmm. oh my God. It's me. It's me now. Oh, geez. So I, I didn't say anything. I just got up quietly from my seat, walked back, and I'm standing backstage, had my saxophone strapped on, and Boots' son was there next to me, and he was jabbering about something. I don't know what it was, but obviously he could not see the terror in my face. Right. But obviously God sent him to me that day because I needed Randy there because I would have been a wreck. You needed a distraction. Yes, had I just walked out. Okay. So I'm, I'm sitting there and Randy's in my ear. And next thing I know, I hear Boots says, Welcome, Fred Dawson! I go, ah! I started walking out. <laughs> so then we, we, we started off on one of the songs that, that was one of my favorites that I used to hear Boots play all the time. I forget what it is. It'll come to me maybe in a minute. But anyway... Uh, I, I did the song. I was quite proud of myself. I hung with the boots man. We did yes. it. We did it. Okay. And then as soon as we finished the song, the house lights came up. Next thing I know, Boots is stepping back because I'm getting a standing ovation from everybody in the audience. Oh, Fred. That's so fabulous. I just yeah. get chills even talking about it right now. You yeah, know, it's just incredible, it. you know. Yeah. So, um, what it... You know, Boots and I uh, had a fabulous relationship, friendship, etc. And and uh, I was holding his hand on July third, two thousand and seven, in the Nashville hospital when he took his last breath. That's how close I was to the to the family. And then uh, right after the funeral, his wife Dee invited everybody back to the house. Right. You know, and she insisted that everybody go into Boots's study where I first met Boots and, and did an interview with him. And uh, she, she had me sit down in Boots's chair. And I'm, you know, I'm just, I, I didn't have, I had no idea what was going on. Next thing I know, she pulls out Boots's saxophone and gives it to me. 
Oh, crud. So it's now in a glass case in my office. I'm sorry, in my home. Yes. And uh, uh, as far as I know, it's still got Boots' DNA in it. I haven't allowed anybody to play it. I fingered a little bit, you know, I gotta I gotta touch it anyway. You know, yes. I haven't I haven't played it, nothing. But it's in, in there. And and since then I've acquired two more of Boots' saxophones. One that uh, he did a recording with uh, oh geez. Uh, Ahab the Arab was the name of the song. Yeah. And he had this soprano saxophone, I always wanted to own one and it was his, so I bought it. So I have it now. But I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Another I I know his name. Not, I want to say Havens, but it's not Havens. No, Ravens. Touch, or, touch of a country. Yes. Accent yes. Yes. Too. Yes. Yes. He does a lot of what funny I, songs when he does songs. Yes. Yes. So that's that's my story with Boots. I'm sticking to it, and and you know I got to play with him many times. I got to tour with him across Florida. He did a bunch of gigs back and forth. Mm -hmm. So we drove across Florida, probably four or five times, and he's telling stories. And it was just a remarkable friendship. He was just a, oh, just a wonderful person. He really was. I, I miss him dearly. You miss him. I of do. course. Yeah. Of course. And, and actually, if, if you can get in here. Oh, 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 this is where he and I are playing together, doing yet another benefit for the Christina Educational Enrichment Fund, and that's at Glasgow High School. And then, and then, and then, when he was leaving that day, when he was leaving that day, Somebody sent their jet to the Wilmington Airport to pick him up. So he's standing next to me, and this is his entire band. There's Randy, his son. So, so uh, Boots says to me, he says, uh, our next gig, they're sending a jet to pick us up to do mm -hmm. this other gig. He says, make sure you bring a camera because I want to take a picture of us standing in front of the jet. I can do this. Yes. I know how to do this. Though. Yes. So that's, that's the Boots man.